Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is our review of House of the Dragon Season 1. The dream. It was clearer than a memory. And I heard the sound of thundering hooves, splintering shields and ringing swords. And I placed my heir upon the Iron Throne. And all the dragons roared as one. I consider the matter urgent. That of your succession. Well, who else would have a claim? The firstborn child. Rhaenyra, no queen has ever sat the Iron Throne. The king has an heir, Daemon Targaryen. I will not be made to choose between my brother and my daughter. <laughs> Rhaenyra's succession will be challenged. Knives will come out. You are the king. Your duty is to take a new wife. I have decided to name a new heir. I'm your heir. War is afoot. Do you think the realm will ever accept me as their queen? A woman would not inherit the Iron Throne. Because that is the order of things. When I'm queen, I will create a new order. Your family has dragons. There are power men should never have trifled with. If Rhaenyra comes into power, she can cut off any challenge to her succession. I am to inherit the Iron Throne. She will block my way. Our hearts remain as one. Oh, our hearts were never one. Imagine yourself on the Iron Throne. Where is duty? Where is sacrifice? All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The House of the Dragon, season one from HBO. And the story is as follows. It is a prequel to Game of Thrones, 
and it is the second show in the franchise created by George R. R. Martin and Ryan Condal for HBO. It is based on a Song of Ice and Fire novels by Martin, specifically Parts of Fire and Blood, and is set 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones, 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen, descendant of the royal house, and 100 years after the Seven Kingdoms is united by the Targaryen Conquest. It is ultimately the events leading up to and covering the Targaryen Civil War of Succession known as the Dance of Dragons. Here to join me today for this next best series podcast review of season one, I have Zoe Rose Bryant. Hello, hello. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Brendan Hodges joining us again here on the podcast. Hey there. Okay, everyone. So... So much to talk about here in regards to House of the Dragon, how it's been going so far for everybody, especially in the aftermath of season eight of Game of Thrones. I mean, I feel like so many people were hesitant to want to watch this show because Game of Thrones just left such a bad taste in people's mouths following the ending of what was one of the biggest you know, crash and burns I've ever seen for any television show ever. You know, people always talk about the ending of Sopranos, the ending of Lost, the ending of Dexter. And Game of Thrones was just like such a cultural phenomenon. It was in the zeitgeist so much. And then when season eight concluded, I've never seen anything like disappear from public consciousness the way that Game of Thrones did, essentially. So, so many people were essentially walking on eggshells, pins and needles, if you will, Trying to decide, do I really want to watch this? Do I really want to give this a second shot? It hasn't even been that long, really, since the end of Game of Thrones. 2019, and here we are in 2022, so three years since then. And I just feel like the ending to the show just left such a bad taste in people's mouths that I can understand the hesitation. But there was a lot to look forward to here. You know, George R. R. Martin was directly involved this is a story that has a beginning, middle, and end. It's not waiting on George R. R. Martin to finish the series. Ryan Condal, who was brought on as the showrunner here and as the primary lead writer and executive producer for the show, is a massive fan of the lore and understands George R. R. Martin's writing. You also had Miguel Sapochnik as a co-showrunner here alongside Ryan, someone who's had experience directing some of Game of Thrones' biggest episodes to date. And then there's the source material, Fire and Blood, the Targaryen Civil War known as the Dance of Dragons and the way that they were able to take this material and craft season one to not even necessarily be about the Civil War of the Dance of Dragons, but a prelude to it where we're introduced to the characters, we understand their motivations, we understand the setup and everything that leads to what is ultimately going to be now uh, another... Rumor has it this is only going to be like a four-season show, so another three seasons of all-out war. So this is supposed to be a more grounded, character-focused season of television, really, when you break it down. With that said, with all that expectation, and with everything now in the rear-view mirror, now that we've seen all of season one of House of the Dragon, what do we think? I want to start us off here with Brendan. Brendan, you are our guest here. What was your expectation heading into this show? What did you think of Game of Thrones in general? And as a result of the end of season one of this show, 
what do you think so far of House of the Dragon? Yeah, um, I mean, Game of Thrones, I think like most people here, if not everybody, I love the show. I, I think that seasons one through four in particular is right up there with, you know, anything David Chase might have done or David Simon might have done on, on the, the Wire or Sopranos. That set of seasons, I think, is one of the strongest runs of TV drama in the history of television. Um, season six, I'm also a big fan of. And the final two seasons are dicey, but I thought they had their high points. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an apologist of the later seasons, but I do think they have virtues that sometimes get overlooked in just the general tenor of hate around those uh, two seasons. Particularly, I, I actually think the ending of the show is quite good in theory. I think the problem is the execution and the lack of setup and development along the way. Um, but I'm so we'll see how the books are different or similar to the, the show. Um, in terms of my expectations for House of the Dragon, I didn't have too many, to be frank. I'm not one of the readers of this series. I very much enjoy being a spectator, uh, kind of fresh and green to this franchise. And all I knew from everyone that I know in my personal life who's read Fire and Blood is like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing, <laughs> you know, and. I had, I would say, cautiously optimistic expectations. And I think that's how many of us felt after the last few seasons of Game of Thrones. We were hoping it would be good. Confidence wasn't necessarily super high. Um, <clears throat> for me, the first season was quite strong. Um, I really enjoyed, Matt, as you alluded to already, this kind of more focused, smaller scale of this of the series it almost plays closer to a courtly medieval political drama than it does an adventure series or a war series or anything along those lines which game of thrones season one began as kind of a murder mystery but the as that season went on war was brewing very quickly and that was kind of hanging over everything whereas in this season that's not really the case i mean i, I think the first half of the season we had four or five episodes in a row trying to figure out who would marry whom, you know, and that is actually pretty true to life of what medieval courtly life was like. And I enjoyed that more grounded, low key focus. I think what's going to make or break the season for viewers, and I'm really curious how you all felt about this particular element, is how successful the time jumping structure works for everybody. Every episode has a time jump. It could be a few months. It could be uh, days. In some cases, it's a decade or half a decade. And I think that balance between setting up and paying off the different episodes, for me, was a little uneven. And we'll go into more detail about that later on. Um, I felt that the character motivation sometimes was a little murky because of that. As a non-reader, I felt like I wanted to get to know some of these people better, but we kept finding different uh, or finding these characters at different points in time. And I wanted to get to know each one a little bit better before they suddenly were kind of a new person. Um, the season really had at least three or four almost pilot episodes that reset the status quo. And I did find that jarring. But ultimately, I thought it was a very successful first season. Um, and I'm very excited for what comes next because every book reader, and Matt, I'm sure you've said this to people too, 
that I know, they always say, oh, this season is kind of the prologue to the real drama. And that's pretty exciting. Although I think I might miss the smaller focus of the first season. Yeah. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot that you said here in your opening thoughts that I do agree with to a certain degree here. Um, I'll definitely happily comment on those in a little bit but passing it over next to zoe rose bryant zoe uh what did you think of season one of house of the dragon and similarly what was your expectation heading into it following the end of game of thrones so i'm definitely obviously familiar with game of thrones not the source material for this specific show um but i was definitely like everybody also let down by how that show concluded um i agree with brendan that i do think there are still some high points. I don't think that the final two seasons were a complete wash. Um, but as somebody whose favorite can- character was Danny, I obviously have a lot of negative emotions <laughs> surrounding that conclusion. Um, so I was I was going into this optimistic kind of about the team that had been assembled and the cast. I'm a huge Olivia Cook fan, so I was really excited to see what she would do. Um, And I wanted to give it another shot just because I knew they did have the right materials for so long with Game of Thrones that maybe that magic could still be there. And I was honestly hooked right from the start. I think the first episode is definitely like a lot of setup. And I can see how for some people it feels very historical or kind of like retelling history as opposed to really getting the plot in motion. But I thought they found their way throughout the rest of the season. And I was really just compelled by the character dynamics from the very start. Um, I think the story of this, you know, young woman trying to make it in this world that is not made for her um, is really resonant, especially, you know, like women navigating industries that aren't made for them all the time. Um, And I was immediately drawn to Rhaenyra the same way I was to Danny, who I thought was just played exceptionally by Millie Alcock and later Emma Darcy, but I am such a huge fan of Millie, and I think she's a huge reason why the first half of the season was as successful as it was and why it got the audience that it did. Um, But really everybody here, I think, was just perfectly cast. I can't say enough good things about these actors. I think Patty Considine became an exceptional Viserys as the series went on, and his finale was so gut-wrenching and I think really brought a lot of us to tears, and I was really missing seeing him around in the last two episodes um and i loved matt smith of course even though he's not always playing the best guy um but he certainly has his fans i am included in that (laughs) and um really everybody and especially with the time jump i really like the new actors they brought in as well and that's when we got to see olivia and i think she's knocked it out of the park thus far as Alicent really bringing humanity to a very complicated female character who is neither fully hero nor villain i think Um, I do think that some of the time jumps definitely at times felt a little bit jarring, at least when we were starting the show. 
But when I started looking at it more as kind of like Game of Thrones slash The Crown (laughs) or with like little succession in there too, I think I got the vibe a little bit better and I was able to follow the events and the characters. And by the time it ended, I was just, you know, completely enthralled by everything and really rooted in the specific versions of the characters. Um, I do think the finale was probably... That was my one episode where I was like, I do think there could have been a bit more to it aside from obviously the climax, which is kind of the whole reason for that episode. But I still am very excited to see where they take things in season two. I don't know everything. I've heard certain things, but I want to keep it that way because I'm such a huge fan already. Yeah, definitely try to avoid spoilers if you can. As somebody who's read Fire and Blood, I had a similar experience with Game of Thrones where for much of the show, not all of it, obviously, but for much of it, I knew the events that were to come. And for me, I got pleasure out of watching other people react to it uh, (laughs) and also just, you know, seeing those moments come to life. But I never had the same visceral reaction that some people had to it that had no idea that these events were coming. So, Zoe, if there's one thing I can honestly tell you right now. Do your absolute best to stay off Reddit, stay off the Internet. I know that's like (laughs) virtually impossible for you personally, but just try your best because I do think that the way that the story twists and turns as it goes is going to. Well, it's probably going to knock you on your ass. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, but it's a it's a wild ride for sure. Uh, So try to keep it that way if you can. Uh, Josh Parham, what about you? Yeah, so for me, I famously do not watch a lot of television, but I have made that time for Game of Thrones back in the day when it was on. And obviously I was a huge fan of it, watched it every week, but like everybody else found myself very disappointed by that last season. And yeah, I agree with this sentiment that heading into House of the Dragon, there was a little bit of hesitancy a little bit of reservation but i was still curious mainly because uh benioff and weiss were not involved so i thought that was a step in the right direction (laughs) that gave me a little bit of hope bingo uh and i did find myself very much intrigued by that first episode and what i really responded to was that it felt like they were getting back to the palace intrigue, the the political maneuvering, which to me was always the more interesting aspect of Game of Thrones, like the battles and the the Night King. Like I never really found all of that particularly compelling for me. I always loved the political stuff, and it seemed like this show was going to be diving headfirst into all of that. So I was definitely intrigued by it. And looking at the season as a whole, I would definitely say it was pretty successful. It isn't perfect. I do agree that with the time jumps, I I think that while we get a good sense of the scope of this story, the trade-off is that some of the nuance of these characters and their arcs are kind of glossed over because of those time jumps, and I do miss that element of, of uh, the character development. But overall, I still found it to be a pretty compelling story that they were telling and when you've got these themes that are going on these performances that i agree are just fantastic from everybody i did find myself like really on board and by the end of it uh we got to the finale and it's like yes i'm i'm so ready for more so i'm glad that we're back in this world i'm glad that we're back into the politics of this world and i just think that we are now really we, we have returned to the more interesting elements of this story, and I am definitely intrigued to see more from it. 
All right, I'm going to come forward and say right now that as much as I am going to try throughout this podcast, I already know deep down in my heart that we will not be able to do 10 episodes worth of justice. Uh, but we will certainly try our best here because there is a lot to unpack. I'll first start off by saying that Game of Thrones is my favorite television show of all time, despite how it ended. Uh, the experience of watching it and the way that it brought friends and family of mine together uh, was something that was a defining moment in my life, actually. And to a certain extent, I'm not kidding when I say this, it is a little bit of the reason why NBP actually does exist today. Uh, because of that fostering of community and something that I felt when I was watching the show every week with people who, uh, in some cases, I hadn't seen for years. There were people like from older jobs that I used to work with that would come over my house and watch it. And this was like a show that was still like uniting us. So in like in a very odd way, I was able to draw a connection to how a show could unite people. And I thought, well, Maybe a podcast can unite people. Maybe a website can do the same thing and so on and so forth. There's just like this shared unity of something that we all love that brings people together. So Game of Thrones has been very formative and really defined my 20s, honestly, of my of my life uh, from season one all the way until the end in 2019. And before that, uh, The Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie of all time. So I definitely have this thing for medieval fantasy epic storytelling. And I say this because when it's done right, I feel like there's just no better form of storytelling in a way. Uh, there are times where it's not done well. <laughs> and there are many instances of that. Um, and I think that the later seasons of Thrones also exemplify that as well. You know, for those that don't know, if you go back in the archive of Next Best Series, you can actually find our episode-by-episode -episode discussion of Season 6 and Season 7 of Game of Thrones as it was happening, and of course, Season 8 as well. And you can almost hear me in these later seasons of the show trying so desperately to find the good where I can and defend the show where I can, like... It's like a fool's errand. I, I like I really have no I, I, I have no defense, but at the same time, I was doing my best to try and justify everything that was happening at the time uh, because it was such a big part of my life. It's interesting now because now that I'm older and I'm watching House of the Dragon, I'm not watching it with friends. I'm not watching it with family. I live now by myself. I'm not living at home anymore, and my friends are miles away and uh they are not coming together every sunday to watch it so that sense of community is now missing for me on a personal level although i do find that things like this this podcast recording and also the online community and of course the mbp film community the audience in general whether it's for film or, to, or for television uh that is something that is still keeping me uh you know pushing through this whole ordeal because otherwise without that it's just another show it's another show that i enjoy on the same level as something like a succession or the crown or house of cards 
you know, shows that deal in political intrigue, backstabbing, power plays, and these twisting turns with character development that doesn't necessarily have to go into spectacle and action blockbuster territory to entertain. And that was the thing I feel like that Game of Thrones ultimately transformed into was it started to become almost like watching a Michael Bay Transformers movie where it was all about spectacle, but then suddenly the character development, the heart, the storytelling, everything just sort of faltered in favor of these action set pieces instead, where it felt like their energy was more so pivoted towards that direction. With House of the Dragon, there is action. There are big set pieces, and the time jumps that everybody is referencing here is used in a way to effectively speed up the season so that the pace is always matching, I think, what feels very much like the later seasons of Thrones in terms of just their structure and the way that, like I said, they were paced. Um, But... They're still doing it in a way that's rooted in character and also that's further pushing the story. Hey Hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Sleepover Cinema, Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. I am going to start off with that because I, I've, I've heard you all mention it in your opening thoughts here. So let's like kind of like start off with this jumping point. And that is just the overall structure of this season with the time jumps, with the fact that it essentially starts with the characters of some of them being younger. And then there's a recasting halfway through the season for many of them, not all of them. Uh, And then from there, you then suddenly start to realize, oh, this is actually a season that is structured to be a a prologue, if you will, to the actual Dance of Dragons, the Targaryen Civil War, where it will be Targaryen versus Targaryen, dragon versus dragon. So in kind of looking back on it in hindsight, and by the way, if you all couldn't figure it out by now, full spoilers ahead. Um, So if you have not seen House of the Dragon, turn this off right now and definitely go watch the show and then come back to us. But I guess really that's the thing I want to start off with is the time jumps. Do you feel like there was information that was missing? Because they've come forward and said that they think that the show is only going to be like four seasons long. And as someone who's read Fire and Blood, I can understand that decision because there really isn't that much book material, to be honest with you all. But there is also a selfish part of me that wishes we could spend some more time with these actors, with these characters, 
And then the trade-off of that is, well, maybe then we would have had some episodes where not much would have happened, and maybe it would have gotten a little stagnant and a little slow, and we would have had some downer episodes. I think the trade-off is that we got 10 episodes where it felt like there was shit happening all the time. So let's talk about that, because um, I, I, you all mentioned it in your opening thoughts here. Do you all think that there should have been maybe two seasons of setup leading into the Civil War, a season and a half? Or is it ultimately okay with it being just one season of 10 episodes? And do you think they could have done it any differently? Because I've been wrestling with that question myself uh, because I selfishly do want to, you know, spend more time with Millie Alcock and also with um, uh, Emily Carey as younger Allison and younger Rhaenyra. And I say to myself, Five episodes, man, I would have liked to have seen a whole season of 10 episodes with them. But would that have just slowed things down too much? I agree that I there were certain instances where I was wanting a little bit more, I'd say, of like the uh, certain characters. Like I also missed Millie a lot. I loved Emma Darcy's portrayal, especially towards the end. But I really came to love the character with Millie and stuff. So after halfway through the season, like her not ever being back, it was definitely a little sad and I do actually wish we had a little bit more with Rhaenyra and Harwin Strong because he was like Twitter's husband for like a week and everybody loved him and I I thought he he seemed like such a cool character and I love the way he like protected the boys and I would have liked to see more one-on-one with him and Rhaenyra so those are a couple times where I was like ah shoot that kind of sucks but I agree with you that by doing that we got these 10 great episodes where they were not only like so dramatically compelling while you're watching them but i think it also generated the most interest in the show because there was something to talk about every sunday night there was no filler there were always big major power plays and events happening and i think that it actually did help the drama and investment in the show hey everyone sorry to interrupt but this is a preview of our full review for season one of house of the dragon here on the next best series podcast in order to get the over three hour long full review you will have to head on over to next best pictures patreon where for one dollar minimum a month you'll get the rest of this podcast and other exclusive podcast content from us as well ad free you have been listening to the next best series podcast part of the next best picture podcast umbrella and we are proud to be part of the evergreen podcast network You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. 
We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.